0: Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the CEO and Executive Creative Director of Trigger, the XR agency, Jason Yim. Jason is no stranger to the modern explosion of artificial reality experiences into our world. And in many ways, he and his team are responsible for its recent success. After building up a reputation as a robust digital marketing firm, Jason's company Trigger went on to work on massive film IPs like Spider-Man. When they made a webcam-based AR experience for the marketing of District 9, Jason became excited about the future of the medium. Now, Trigger is a market leader for AR experiences, regularly working with some of the most recognizable companies in the world, like Lego and Disney. With the future of AR looking particularly positive as the entertainment industry comes to terms with the pandemic, Trigger seems poised for even more success. Trigger is growing like crazy, and we are excited to interview Jason today, so let's get right to it. Jason, thank you for being here today, buddy. Hey, Drew. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, man, I told you before we got going, I'm, I'm really excited about learning more about your business, learning more about the world you're in, uh, especially because it's so innovative and creative. But I'd love to just start with how we how we got here in the first place. What was the kind of origin story of Trigger?
1: Sure. Um, so I, I actually was born in Singapore, grew up in Hong Kong, immigrated to uh, California, Northern like Bay Area for high school, came down to UCLA, Um, haven't left LA since. Wow, (laughs) stuck down here. Um, still eating at the same places. Um, but uh, uh, right out of school, started a company with some friends in in our apartment. That was kind of a, uh, we're still early in the web days back then, so we were doing uh, mostly websites. Um, it was called uh, Epic Communication Design Incorporated. It was a terrible name. (laughs) Um, uh, and uh, within a year, we uh, got investment from Hans Zimmer and his business partner. So Hans, the uh, famous music composer. Yeah. Uh, we moved on to their kind of, they were building a campus in Santa Monica um, and started to do a lot of film marketing work. But um, I did that deal when I was super young, like, you know, 23 or something like that. And then um, uh, it wasn't the the, the best deal <laughs> ever, you know, like uh, yeah. in hindsight, you know, Um uh, especially when you're starting out young and it's your first thing, it's you know you just have no idea. But
0: it's like the young, it's like the young musician who takes his first uh, record yeah. contract, right? Yeah, you're just excited to have
1: someone interested in working with you and then providing funding and stuff like that. So, mm. uh, so to all all the young founders out there, you know, um, uh, just be very careful about that first deal.
0: Yeah. So, how did that even? How did that even happen? Like, how did you even get the interest of Hans and if you, I'm just curious yeah. how that part even happened. It was
1: actually I mean, so it's so funny the things that that opportunities come up that turn into you know uh, bigger things that you'd never expect. but um, we we did a their website, uh, the uh, uh, they were his Hans company website. Okay, uh, but for us to do that, um, they found us, I believe, from some entertainment work that we were already doing. Uh, we were doing some stuff for Fox, um, like screensavers and maybe a one or two movie sites. Uh, and the crazy thing is, like the how we got those projects was um, through a UCLA connection. Um, we had a a, a, a kind of mar- marketing consulting guy uh, who had done a deal with Fox, um, but the Fox deal went south. Okay, so uh, he owed content to Fox. But Fox had no money to pay for the stuff, so he came to us because we were small and hungry. And he said, "Hey, do you want to do these two screensavers? For one, was a down periscope or something like that." Like a,
0: oh yes.
1: Yeah, a tiny movie, right?
0: Yeah, I um, saw that movie.
1: <laughs> and uh, so we we did this whole, uh, you know, we properly scoped it out. We're going to do all this 3D stuff, and we came up with the price, and we went to him and said, you know, uh, yeah, it's about ten thousand dollars for these two screensavers. And he said 250 bucks <laughs> and we're like what no 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 you can see all this work we're gonna put in all these hours blah blah, blah. and I, it also shows how bad i was as a negotiator when, when i was young
0: yeah, but yeah. <laughs> basically he
1: just kept saying no and at the end we're like how oh, we want to do a movie thing so we're like okay fine we'll do it for 250 bucks so we knew we were totally getting shafted but we put like so much effort into these small first projects that we did um and it actually really kind of made our name so Fox. Started working with with us directly after that, um, and we started <clears throat> creating a lot of content for them. And then from from Fox to other film studios, and then from that kind of reputation, we got to uh, Hans Zimmer and, and and his team. So, wow. So, okay, it all started with this, so yeah, the two hundred and fifty dollars screensaver. So,
0: wow, that's so cool. Okay, so where does the where does the company story go from there?
1: So then, <clears throat> because of uh, you know, I was kind of frustrated with my... An initial deal for for quite a long time Uh, I eventually left and started Trigger uh, and Trigger the name Trigger comes from I should have pulled the trigger a long time ago yes um, which which is fun but it also worked really well in terms of marketing you know like um, uh, pushing someone to uh, you know to to react in some way to you know to engage in your content or to um, uh, buy your product Uh, and it actually the name has worked out really well on the AR side so Um, Anyways, with with Trigger, um, we started uh, again in film marketing. We built up a Shanghai studio um, quite early on. Uh, We had up to like 45 people in Shanghai that were 2D illustrators, 3D guys, game designers. We're doing a lot of um, advert gaming for the studios uh, and doing some early, um, you know, we're first agency to create an iPad app uh, for the film studios and stuff. So quite early on on the, on the smartphone side too. Um, But through entertainment is how we kind of came across AR very early on. So uh, as you said in your intro, um, the great thing about the entertainment companies is that uh, you need to like, the innovation cycle is so fast because there's new movies every single weekend. Mm. So you're always trying to like do something different from what you did the last time. Um, So you're always looking for new tech that can apply. So we... We saw what you could do with AR, with the webcam. It was still a bit clunky back then. You had to print out a marker called a glyph, hold it up in front of your webcam. And it's like this mirrored experience. Like, you know, it would show on this piece of paper. um, Oh, wow. But through the webcam.
0: I'd Um, never heard. I didn't know you could do artificial reality through the webcam. Yeah. Augmented reality. uh, reality. Augmented reality. Okay.
1: (laughs) So it was uh, a, so that was very, very early on, but we're, um, we believed in it right then and there. And we had done so much 3D stuff because of our kind of online games. We already had a, a pipeline um, for AR content uh, as the technology kind of improved. So um, that, that was another kind of like lucky positioning thing for us, I think. Uh, the studios were already coming to us for um, original kind of content, you know, uh, original storytelling, you know, taking their characters, trusting us to create small versions of them to, for, for games online, but all that workflow and and process could be applied to AR.
0: So So did that majorly kind of pivot the, the business model that you were doing or did it fall just kind of right into line with the direction you guys were already going?
1: It it didn't pivot us for a while. So like we, um, it started to, so in 2012 we actually, So when it was on a, on the webcam only, it's a bit limited. Again, it's, it's quite, you know, clunky, right? Like I need to print something out and then I have this like mirrored thing with the webcam. Um, but as soon as it started to work on the phone, that's when, uh, that's when it was like an evolutionary leap. So the leader back then, like right now you can do it on your iPhone and Android. Both Google and Apple have their own kind of AR tech built into their OS. Uh, but before that, um, there was one player in the market, and that was Vuforia, uh, which was a Qualcomm company. So we actually met them at um, GDC, uh, the, the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. They were still in R&D. The CEO was kind of a, you know, making a presentation to a small room. Um, I think very little people knew what AR was, but we were already excited about it. So uh connected with the CEO right then, and we, we, we're, I actually talked to him yesterday we're, we're still uh, fast friends and you know um, but we became call, uh, call common before is showcase developer Wow um, when people when the teams create this tech normally they're they're these engineers they're you know super smart they, uh, they they have to invent this technology but they're not they don't they don't commercialize you know they don't make it look polished it doesn't look pretty uh, the funny thing about before it was like they' their standard you um, uh, way to show AR that test AR was a teapot you know <laughs> for all their tech just to show off this, this but the engineers knew it was working yeah but everyone else looking at it would be like why am I staring at a teapot so yeah yeah so <laughs> that that was our job they would invent this brand new tech and then they would bring us in and uh, partner us with a brand and we would be the first to commercialize uh, a new piece of AR tech so we wow. were the first to do um Uh, cloud recognition with American Peril. We were the first to do kind of like, it's called SLAM, but what you see now where you can scan uh, flat surfaces. Uh, We did that with uh, McDonald's. The first time we did recognizing a 3D object was with Lego, uh, text recognition with um, Sesame Street. So, and some of these were big kind of CES keynote presentations and stuff too. So um, that was a really great relationship. Like uh, uh, we got to play with the tech a, a year early, you know, uh, and kind of like side shoulder to shoulder with with the with the engineers over at Qualcomm, um, uh, and eventually Qualcomm actually did a convertible note and, and and invested in us to kind of build up our our tech team to kind of keep pace with with what they were doing as well. So,
0: dang, uh, yeah, you've you have built so many solid you know business relationships with major major companies and major players in the game today. What do you attribute that to?
1: Um, I think, I mean, there was a big advantage for us being so early, you know. Um, when you look at our portfolio and you look at our, our, our projects, they look, you know, they're very creative, right? They, they There's a, like a whole very big visual layer, you know, it's like big IP, Spidey, Star Wars, you know. Toy Story, a big sports team and stuff like that. Um, but it all sits on, on top of this underlying tech that has to be super solid. Mm. Um, so a consumer may not see all the development work that goes underneath it. They can they only see the, the, the creative stuff, but we had to build our name there. Um, and um, in this in this field, when everything is brand new and, and, and innovating the whole time, uh, you we really started to rely on those tech relationships. So I think when we created that uh, Vufora relationship, which I think is like the very beginning, um, that success there kind of just created more success over time uh, mm. with other agents, uh, with other uh, companies and stuff. So people would hear about us because of the Vufora stuff. Uh, later on, uh, the Vufora team went to different places. So we still continue to work with those early members in and, you know, uh, as they went from one company to the next. Um, we have a good friend, um, Eric Johnson, who we started working with at Google Tango. So Tango was, um, you know, right now uh, everyone's excited about iPhones and iPads that have LiDAR sensors on the back that you can scan your room. Um, in 2016, uh, Google already had that on their phone <clears> called <throat> Google Tango. So. It was it was a tech that came up and then was about you know uh, five years too early and then kind of went away. But we were working with the with the hardware and systems back then. Uh, and but that that uh, uh, same collaborator at Google then went to Amazon. What well, then went to Niantic? You know, I mean, sixty and then Niantic. So uh, once you build those relationships uh, and you keep good relationships, then then it it just kind of
0: grows from there. So. Well, that sounds like the key, right? I mean, it makes sense, but that you don't just build a relationship, do a deal together, and then sayonara. It sounds like you've kept really good relationships with, with these people over the years, and that's paid off.
1: Definitely. And I, I think like, um, you know, we, our, our teams, you know, we play really nice. We're If you come and visit Trigger where it feels a little bit like an inventor shop, you know, everyone's kind of nice, nerdy people, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And uh, uh, I think one thing that we're really proud of is one of our um, early clients, uh, Dwight Keynes, he's now president of uh, Universal Marketing. Um, He was uh, head of digital marketing at Sony when we're working with him. We worked with him for, uh, for many years and he was kind of integral in helping us um, start trigger. So when I, when, when I moved over to start trigger, um, we had to, uh, to tell the clients afterwards, Hey, I, I've left, I'm starting this new thing. Um, uh, so I went to tell, uh, Dwight after, and I said, Hey, you know, um, uh, I, I know I'm no longer part of media revolution. I'm going to do this new thing trigger. And he said, he, he didn't care where if, if I'm going to start an apartment, he didn't care how many people I had. He would, here's here's all this work. We'll trust you that you're going to come up with the team and, and build something that, that wow. can handle this work. So, uh, but that level of trust, I think, came from, you know, just our hard work in the past. But one thing he said about us that uh, was different um, that kind of still stuck with me is that in all those years we worked together, he had never heard anyone on our team badmouth like another developer. Mm. You know, like we just go in there, do our stuff. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities and, and stuff to, you know, but we we never we never would do anything like that. Like we we just focus on us and um and I think at the end of the day we're all human beings, you know. Some yeah. of these projects are like a year long. Relationships can be like ten years long, right? Longer than that. So you just get to know each other as people, and over time you just good people want to work with good people. Like yeah, life is too short to you know, if there's a bad seed, it's just like, Oh, it's not worth it.
0: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've noticed as well. It's like, you just can't underestimate the value of trust. Yeah. It's like, man, the, the skills, like, I bet you got them, you know, it's like, you're probably gonna be good enough, but like, can I trust you? Are you going to screw me over? Like, those are, those are really big deals. Uh, Speaking of being a human being, I'm always curious about just under the hood of people, as a creative person, as a business leader, as an entrepreneur, have you ever have you have you self-reflected on what motivates you? Like what drives you? Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, so my my mom. Um, both my parents were were creative. So my dad was an architect. He was a, actually a chief architect uh, for the Hong Kong government. Um, my mom was a taught interior design at the university and stuff like that. So. For uh, an, an Asian family from Asia, it was kind of, you know, different from other upbringing, I think. Like, it wasn't, mm-hmm. we didn't have a, my mom is a tiger mom in a very different way, <laughs> in, in a creative way, which is really funny. Like, um, she, uh, uh, she's not the kind that's like, you know, no matter what you turn in from school, she's not like gushing, like, you know, oh, Good job, you know Hercules, Hercules kind of thing. Like, <laughs> she like she's a design professor, you know. She like yeah. pinpoint uh, uh, everything wrong with it. Like um, there was one time um, uh, with Lego, we worked on this project for like two years, and we got it launched. And uh, the Lego guys knew how much effort we put into it. Like uh, it was this uh, fourteen issue digital comic. Uh, I'd done all the thumbnail drawings. It was you know a thousand something drawings before it was redone. Anyways, we launched it. I think we had like four and a half star uh, average review or or higher, four point seven or something like that. So I was so excited to show my mom. I was like, hey, Oh no, best of this four point seven stars. Blah, blah, blah. She didn't even know anything about like iTunes really, but she was just like her reaction was just like four point seven. Like, why not five? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, what, so the Lego guys, our friend uh, Fraser Lovett, there, like his his term from that point on was just like you know we want we're aiming for the six star review like how, how do we get the six stars you know even though it doesn't exist but yeah um, but in terms of inspiration I, I I do draw a lot from uh from both of my parents like um with my mom I think the the big thing was you know I remember going home when I was you know little she would have a drafting board and she would work late but she always really enjoyed the work i never heard my mom complain about the work mm. it was just very intellectually interesting you know um and she would always engage about that and, and talk about projects that way uh, so I, I think i i got that from from my mom um and then the other thing that was a bit negative uh uh not a negative thing that my dad did but like when when they um uh when they retired they invested uh his pension and stuff in in, in a business, uh, that, that failed basically. Uh, so within like a a year of retiring, he, they had lost everything. Mm. And, um, it was crazy to see like my, my dad who was, you know, mid sixties, he's playing golf, playing tennis, super healthy, uh, super excited about retirement. And then one year later he was like, uh, you know he had collapsed you know yeah he was he looked smaller he was bent over he was just watching tv he he just looked so defeated and i think that burned into my brain you know like sure. i could i could close my eyes and see that you know and a year later he uh he had to go back to hong kong to work i went to go visit him in hong kong and he was back to like this his vibrant self again you know standing tall And I think that that kind of work ethic, (laughs) like that's, you know, that's like viscerally kind of burned into my brain. You know, you, you just gotta, uh, uh, you just gotta push, you just gotta keep working. You gotta, you know, that, that's part of, part of your identity, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So you have this drive, this hard work, this, this realization that you're going to have to really grind to, to get what you want in this life, but mixed with that kind of blue collar mentality is sounds like is a real curiosity that there's like almost an artistic, like I'm i grinding, but at the end of the day, it sounds like you're lit up by yeah. Things that, that are curious to you and innovation and ideas and progress. Is that true?
1: Oh, very true. And I think that's why we, we got
0: so excited on the AR side, like that's uh, in
1: 2016, we pivoted 100% uh, to towards uh, augmented reality uh, is the fact that like every single, every day is a new day, you know, every week there's a new piece of tech and a new partner, a new, a brand new problem to solve. It's not like, um, you know, a banner ad or something where <laughs> you do the same thing, you like we are literally inventing new experiences you know when we put wow. two pieces of tech together no one in the history of earth has ever tried this before yeah you know? so that that's a really cool feeling and I, and it's a i think a rare opportunity you know
0: yeah is that what like yeah like can you think of a time recently that something has lit you up and what was it was it the solving of a problem was it the experimentation that lights you up was it the brainstorming like when, yeah. when you get really excited, almost like a kid again, what is it?
1: There was um, uh, a recent launch for us for us as an AR Pro Interactive for Verizon. Um, it's uh, on iTunes and, and uh, Android as well. But it's, um, it's basically all these top athletes uh, teaching you their special move in, in full 360. So it's done with a process called, called volumetric capture. We can bring in an athlete. They're, they're inside a, a green screen stage with 106 cameras all around. Oh, I think I've seen things like that. Yes. So you're actually, it's like a 3D video. You're capturing them from every single angle. So when you place them in AR, you can place them, um, you know, we have Ray Allen teaching you a three-pointer. Like you can place them on a basketball court, life-size, and he'll show you how to shoot the three-pointer. You, you could be right next to him. You can stand far away you can see what the perspective looks like looking over his shoulder is this or, with you know, would
0: from. this be with like virtual reality goggles on or no, it's just is your it... phone. what
1: yeah so with ar like you can you can basically place objects into your into your real world they'll they'll stick to the ground stick to that perspective and you can move uh, around them so uh, and on this wow. project it was um you know we've shot i think 15 different athletes you know there's Megan Rapino teaching you her free kick. There's uh, Tony Finau showing you how to, you know, drive a golf ball. We have Justin Herbert, you know, teaching you how to throw a pass. Like, wow, um, super big names. But the that project, like, you know, there was a genesis of it that was on a napkin sketch, you know, um, like, hey, can we use this technology to, to teach a move? You know, will people learn something better if it's if it's instead of watching it on a 2d 2d video you know or reading a book or listening you know uh to something like if if the person was in my space do i do i learn differently do i learn uh is it more effective and stuff or 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 more entertaining so um uh we took that kernel of of an idea to a few people and it it didn't quite stick and then we took it to um uh, nico charles at verizon and we just started riffing he got super excited we kind of started riffing on that idea and he came back and, and was like uh hey instead of just because we we're talking about it, doing it for the nba instead of just you know this one move one you know basketball why don't we just do a, a whole series let's just pick big name athletes from every single sport and, and wow. teach you their, their moves and like like the hair on the back of my neck stood up you know we're like oh my god that is that is so cool as, a, as an idea you could you could visualize it right then and there yeah um, and it went from that napkin sketch to uh, a proof of concept that was then taken to the all-star game to kind of prove out with some consumers and then from there went to like a full commercialization with uh, uh with verizon um and now it's like a, in its second year of uh, of launch so dang that whole journey was super fun
0: yeah. yeah so the journey from taking an idea and turning it into a reality that's what yeah. it sounds like is that whole process of like, oh, that's a cool idea. And then actually figuring out how to make that a reality, right? And then and then
1: have it a, a product
0: versus, you know, you know,
1: we still we do a lot of marketing things that are very quick turnaround, you know, like let's say four to eight weeks or something like that. But this this had time to really develop and you know grow into something significant.
0: Yeah. With you guys having creativity and innovation is such a major part not a minor part but a major part of your unique company do you have any processes any like philosophy around creativity or innovation that you guys find particularly helpful uh for your company or for you personally
1: yes um so actually the biggest inspiration for us uh for our creative and innovation process actually comes from lego so Mm. Lego was a uh, you know was my favorite toy as a kid, but we were super lucky we've, we've been working with them for nine years now um, because of the started with that view for relationship. Um, but I actually took my family and uh, moved to Denmark for three months, uh, embedded with their teams out there and worked on on projects with them, and really learned this kind of Lego development process. Uh, and the fascinating thing about it was like you know even then Lego was, the number one brand in the world, the most recognizable brand, super profitable, number one toy brand, um, but they have a like a 18-month-long development process. And at the very beginning, when they're coming up with I- the ideas, like one, they start from scratch, and they 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 had this process to find the fun. You know, they don't go in saying like, "Hey, we're Lego, we're, we're the best at this." My gut says just do this. You know, I have so yeah. much experience. I'm just gonna pick this. They they put the work into it every single time to like try out every single variation, test everything with kids, you know, come back with real data if something is working or not, mm. um, and to see that discipline in a company that is is number one, you know, and yeah. not taking any shortcuts was was amazing, you know, it was really cool to see it internally. Um, and then the second part of that was like also the um, the amount of effort they put into like every single detail. Like uh, you know, we went into their factory. Then you expect you know there's millions of Lego bricks out there. You think they they these machines would turn them out like a thousand at a time or whatever. But they'll have this massive machine and then it just spits out like like six pieces, you know. <laughs> but it's like what the like yeah. the amount of like engineering to make that like you know uh, the the clutch power to keep them together and you know the the perfection that each one has to be made would would even uh, relate to the, the the team members that were designing the stickers you know I can yeah. see at another toy company hey it's only a couple stickers on these mini figs you have you have two days to get this done you know but at Lego that would be that would be a much longer process where they have time to like iterate and kind of fine-tune and improve and so that everything on that product is as good as it possibly can be. Uh, so we we kind of uh, and then and they go through this you know from concept to prototyping to testing to full development so we we learned a lot uh kind of working with them and kind of following you know following that uh, that that
0: process that's awesome As we take as we keep taking a look now if we start with you now we're looking inside the company how how big is the team at this point
1: uh we're 45 now and we have like 14 open positions right now so
0: okay uh, yeah. how would you describe the current season like i'd like to think about businesses going through life cycles and seasons and here's where we are and here's where we're going how would you describe the current season that the business is in and what it's growing into
1: it's it's pretty amazing right now it's um i feel like we've been waiting for this season for a long time like Mm. um the you know uh, in terms of the market it's it's just exploded so you know, the users, the user numbers of adoption on AR are skyrocketing. So brands and clients are, are really jumping on it now. Um, so we are actually at a point where we're running into kind of a scaling issue. So this is in 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 the past, we've always kind of grown a little bit by a little bit, you know, a yeah. couple people here and there. Um, this is the first time that we've had to like, we've actually had to throttle down sales this quarter and then actually just just to give us a break to be able to add all these people in order to um, just to be able to deliver to the- keep up with the demand. Before. Yeah. Um, wow. and, then, and then also put in kind of the structures though, so that we could scale a lot faster later. So, you know, we were a little bit, um, um, we didn't have a kind of a, a middle layer that could help expand that pyramid, the base of the pyramid for us. Yeah yeah uh, but that's that's also what we're trying to uh kind of build into the company in the, in the next few months and then once that layers in there it should be able it should allow us to then uh kind of add more uh junior people and, and expand a lot faster
0: yeah so that new layer of leadership is what you're talking about right yeah yeah that's what we always see right around that 45 to 50 person company as they start to scale it's super interesting again this. These similar life cycles that companies go through. Right. Um, man, that's exciting. So when you say this is what we've been waiting for, is it because the market plus the technology feels like is at a place where it's fully adopted or something and now opportunities are just even more prevalent?
1: It's uh yes. I mean like, um, we're no longer for so many years because we were in it like since we we're doing AR since 2009, right? Like, back then we spent so much time just convincing educating um, people. Yeah. yeah. And now they are, everyone's fully on board. But, um, yeah. We don't have to educate the clients as much. We don't have to educate the consumers as much.
0: Yeah. Uh, that,
1: that makes a big difference. Um, and then for us too, like the timing now is, uh, you know, the scale of everything is starting to go up too. So, um, you know, we are working with uh, the, like I said, with, with Verizon, these, so before when we're doing a long project for us might've been um, on a film marketing project might've been a year long or something like that. But now some of these kind of 5G projects can be three years long or, you know, uh, two, yeah, two to three years long. So uh, everything is, just starting to scale. And then the relationship with starting to scale too, um, uh, recently we, we announced that uh, we were part of um, Niantic's uh, Lightship program. So Niantic, uh, they, they make Pokemon Go, they're taking their um, core technology and offering it to brands. So the, the same stuff that's powering, you know the most popular AR game in the world, you can now take it uh, and use it for a sports team or like a big wow. retailer or, you know, or a hotel chain or something like that. So, um, and we're kind of serving in that same same role, similar to, to uh, uh, the Vuforia days where, you know, uh, either we bring a client into Niantic or Niantic introduces us, and then we all collaborate together and figure out how to, how to use their tech. Um, and then Verizon also recently um, uh, kind of shepherded us into joining uh, the Global XR Content Telco Alliance, um, which is a crazy name, but it's, uh, it's basically um, an organization of, uh, uh, there's Verizon representing the US, there's Bell Canada, um, there's China Telecom, KDVI in Japan, um, Chunghwa Telecom for Taiwan, Orange in France, and it's all led by LG U Plus in South Korea the big mobile operators um, and they're all pooling their efforts and kind of budget together to create XR content. Wow. Um, Because this content will is driving adoption of the higher end phones as well as the higher end, um, you know, uh, network services, 5G specifically. So, um, uh, and we are, we are one of three content partners in the mix. There's two other, there's two VR companies. Uh, and then there's us as the only AR company right now. so um, super so cool. yeah, we're uh, keeping our fingers crossed. I mean that that's an early relationship for us, but uh, we we are excited to see that grow,
0: yeah, man. yeah, I mean the uh, I've talked to several companies like that where they basically just had to hang on during that early adoption curve, knowing they're in the right business. They were doing the right stuff, but it just took the market a while to get to the technology and to the adoption and understanding to where they are today, right? Um, So that's a challenge, right? where my mind goes is that's a challenge you've had to navigate as a founder, as a leader of this business. As we even go broader than that, what would you say has been the hardest part about being in the seat you're in, right? And the founder seat and the leader seat of this company, not any company, this company in this industry, What's been the most challenging part for you?
1: Um, I think, you know, it's like, a, I, mean, I, I, I know what I think my superpower is, you know, like I love the idea part. I love the, the, the creative part, you know? And I think when we first started, that was enough, you know, like we made our name on, on, the, on the creative and, and stuff, but like, to grow a successful company, there are so many other pieces that are that are needed. Mm. Um, and I've always thought that, like, <laughs> it's funny, like, uh, if you stick me in a room, even even with the team, right, like, if we're, if we're talking about ideas and what we're building and stuff, I am super confident and, and, and super comfortable, like, but then in, in our leadership meetings, if we're talking about how to run the company and business decisions and stuff, even though I've been doing it for so long, yeah. Uh, I, I don't I, I feel nervous about it, you know? Like, You're right. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I, I still feel a bit like I, I'm faking it till I make it. Of course. You know, on that side. Yes. So, um so that that's something that like I wonder, oh man, should I have gone to like MBA school? Should I have like, you know, uh done that kind of stuff? But um but I think the realization is like that that path to success is you know is so so windy, you know, oh yeah, really hard to anticipate. Like what you need at each stage, yep. and this idea of like, you know, the AR stuff is a perfect example. Like, the the preparation and the opportunity were two different points in time. You know, like we did like ten years of preparation, and then the opportunity is coming up now, and we're yeah going to take full advantage of it. But you know, it you you could not have kind of mapped that out on
0: purpose. So sure, oh yeah, and I always like to tell people like, you you have been the leader that this company needed how do I know? Because it, we're still here. <laughs> right? It's like yeah. you, you led them here. And, yeah. and I, that, that's why I asked that because everybody has a unique side to their seat where they're naturally talented here, but they feel really challenged here. And we all experience that imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. That wizard of Oz feeling like nobody knows that I'm just behind a curtain pulling levers and it looks impressive, but I'm human. Right. Um, and that's been a lot of what I've seen. It, especially, the data says the more successful you are, the higher percentage of people feel uh, the imposter syndrome. Isn't that interesting? Wow, that's crazy. Like wow. you would you would think the more successful you get, the more that would go away. Oh. But it's actually kind of the opposite. The more lucky the, or the the more successful you get, you're like, I, I really don't know how I got in this room. I I, I really don't. Know. You know what I mean? Right. And, so, and then people start celebrating even more and, and almost making you out to be a mythical creature. And the more that kind of stokes in you, like, I, guys, I'm just human. Like, you know, um, so especially with you, with the amount of cool stuff you've done and the amount of companies that have put their trust in you and the amount of people now that 45 people are looking to you for direction. It's actually going to elevate that feeling of, do I really know what I'm doing? Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I hope none no, of no, 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 our team's going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> but, Why? No, no, that's, no, the, yeah.
0: that's the part, though, is like when everybody feels it and you stop playing the game, yeah. like when you stop playing the, the Wizard of Oz game. That might, so, by the way, it's one of my favorite scenes in any story is the exposing of the Wizard of Oz. Right. Because in that moment, when he walks out, he realizes that he actually had what they needed. And it wasn't supernatural. It, he didn't need to be supernatural. His solutions didn't need to be supernatural. He just as himself had the solution. Like, actually, I got, a, I got a balloon that could take you home, Dorothy. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And Tin Man, you actually don't need this. You just needed this. And it's like this really cool moment of like, you are enough. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens in these exposing moments of like, man, I'm human. And as your people see that they trust you more, you know, they feel more connected anyways, I'm sorry. I'm taking, I'm taking this into a coaching direction.
1: No, but like, I, I think for us, like we, we, I'm lucky that we have built at least a, you know, we, we do have a, a a department leadership layer that's really strong and, and everyone is, you know, I, th- I think, a think early thing I realized was like, Hey, I'm, I'm really good at some stuff, but, I'm really bad at other stuff. That's right. Everyone is really, the, the people that we found are really good at what they do and they are not, they are, they're very different from who I am too. Yeah, so It's not like replicating your personality across the company. It's like playing to uh, everyone's different strengths. But, you know, I think one thing um, Danny Parks, our head of tech, um, you know, said about us was just that uh, we we may not make the right decision the first time around you know yeah but we will uh we will always push for that we'll always we can change and we can correct and we can realize our mistakes and and then make the right decision uh, a little later on yeah but there's no politics there's no you know there's no pride that anyone's holding on to like mm. once we realize we've made a mistake we own up to our mistakes and then we can you know um try to point in the right direction after that
0: That's super cool. I love that. Man, this has been fascinating. I want to honor your time today. I know you've got a lot on your plate, so I want to get into our lightning round questions. So, we have five questions that we've designed uh, just to get to know the founder a little bit better. So, we'll start with question number one. If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would that message be? I mean, just keep pushing,
1: you know? Like, I I feel like... um, uh it always feels like it's just over the hill and i think like that attitude you know gets uh you know pushes the product better pushes the company further uh but then also gets us into new opportunities because of that you know yeah uh, you kind of start to rest and relax and not want to go over the hill then we don't, don't then we don't see what's on the other side and we don't yeah. on all that, uh, greenfield opportunity, so.
0: Super cool. I love that. All right. Number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also what was the worst?
1: Huh. Single, single best advice was, uh, um, I think, um, uh, actually a friend and advisor, Brian Biniac. Like he helped us. We were actually looking to invest in, uh, to, to find investors for, to start a new code. Um, so we kind of created this business plan that involved Trigger. And assets of Trigger and knowledge of Trigger into this in, into this new co-business plan. Um, it didn't work out. We didn't we didn't get the funding for it. But it made us look at Trigger in a complete different way. You know, before we we had only looked at it from we do really the work that we do. You know, um, <clears throat> like basically this treadmill of like just do good work, do good work, do do good work. And instead of mm. looking at the company as like kind of chunks of value. You know, like how, and I wish I learned this a lot sooner, but how, instead of only focusing on doing good work, how do I add value to the company over
0: time? Wow. I love that. What about the worst advice?
1: It uh, wasn't really advice, but we, in, in the early days, we had a general manager at, at a different company and um, uh, we were, we were pitching the studios on some stuff and I wasn't part of this kind of conversation, but he was he was dishonest about our, our portfolio, you know, and it actually got us the job. Um, uh, but it was, it was bad for, it felt, you know, bad for everyone, right? Like, yeah. We don't want that reputation. So, you know, we've always been about giving credit where credit is due, you know, even internally, you know, in, 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 in a, uh, in a brainstorm, whoever comes up with it, we want to mention that person you know uh we want to give clients credit we want to give collaborators credit so um but seeing i don't know (laughs) seeing it firsthand seeing someone make that decision and and then kind of like uh just just the dark cloud that that came from that you know like yeah um uh just learn from example like yeah just be honest you know just work hard and be honest yeah oh i love that don't, don't try to be tricky like don't try to like yeah, because a I'm I'm not a tricky person, so I'll, that that just doesn't work well. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, being able to sleep at night, you know, clear conscience is, is the best way to go.
0: I love that, man. Great advice. Because you're right, there's all these small moments where you can fudge it a little bit, or you can try to take a shortcut to get there instead of just be honest and work hard. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So good. All right. Question number three. And and I think you might have already spoken to this, but I'll ask it again, just in case there's a slightly different answer to it. But question number three is what causes you the most stress or worry currently leading your organization?
1: Right now it's scaling, you know, like it's, um, you know, I think we've proven that we can do what we do. Well, we can make a good, good product. Um, now the question is, Hey, can we, can we do twice as much of it or three times as much of it? And Yeah. That's that's a whole different different game, different problem set for us.
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay, question number four: What is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal? Uh, I mean,
1: I, I I feel we are, you know, if we haven't already, but we're very close. Um, you know, we could say, hey, we are the best AR agency. I would say probably in the world, but let's say for sure North America, you know, with our client list, with our experience and stuff like that. Um, the big goal would be like, can, can we replicate that in Asia? Can we replicate that in Europe? You know, yeah, yeah, build this, the US version up to like whatever its critical masses. Let's say uh, if it's a hundred or 150 people or something like that. And then once we have all those systems down. You know, there's a huge market in Asia. There's a, a huge market in Europe, and there's no there's no real competition there yet. There's no strong teams out there, or or maybe a couple small teams, but nothing nothing with our kind of uh, uh, experience. Can we then replicate uh, our model here in in, in new
0: territories? Yeah, I love that. Okay, question number five. This is our fun creative question. If you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past, and tell yourself just one thing out the driver's side window as you drive by, when would you go back, and what would you tell that younger version of yourself?
1: Uh, that's funny. Um, I only get to go once. I mean, there's so Only many once. Times I want, there's so many times I want to go back. <laughs> yeah. uh, and you
0: get to shout one thing out the window as you drive by
1: uh i mean i think yeah i think for the business side definitely like you know going back to the point of us trying ar for the first time and just saying like you know your gut that this is going to be something special you know uh is right stick with it you know yeah because like at the next the next point for us is right now it's working on the mobile phone the the next place the industry is going to go is it's all going to start working on glasses. And once, once it works really well on glasses, like that, that changes the world. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a leap that's similar from going from no computers to computers or going from like desktops to smartphones. Like it's going to be that big a kind of leap for everybody.
0: Wow. Wow. That's awesome, man. Trust your gut. That's probably one of the, the most common answers and i don't mean that like in a you're not original right. it's just cool to see the data emerge that like again and again people just keep saying like i wish i pulled the trigger or trusted my gut earlier right. um so man that's awesome jason thank you buddy for being here this has been truly fascinating it's so cool to to learn from such an innovative person like you and uh, exciting to see where this company goes uh with all the cool stuff you've already you guys have already gotten to do It's exciting to see what cool projects you'll be a part of in the future. So my man, thank you for being a guest on the podcast today.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. It
0: was super fun. Yes, sir. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.